Welcome to Reputation Town. Welcome. This is episode seven of Reputation Town. Warren, how are you doing today? Doing great. The sun is shining and uh, we're still locked down, but, you know, trying to look on the bright side. The end is in sight. Is uh, it? So I'm, I think so. <laughs> We've been saying that for a year. The end is in right. sight. You just, well, eventually it's like a, sp- a broken clock. It'll be right. If we all... If we all just do our part, we can be together for, they've been saying this for every holiday for over a year. We can all be together for Canada Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. and Well, it's going to happen eventually. So I'm John Pernak, my colleague Warren Weeks, colleague and friend. We're here to talk about reputations for the seventh seventh and final week. (laughs) Are we announcing that we're shutting her down or, or what? I just had I had like an omen in my mind about today's discussion. Oh, which which part? Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be great. I'm just kidding. So um, we we've, we've got a number of actually I think really interesting topics, and I think in particular some of them are, are are I think are fun to talk about because in particular you made made some predictions that I think are coming true. So I think well, I think it'd be good to revisit those. But before we get into the heart of the matter, uh, I think this is our opportunity to just chat about other stuff what's what's been on your mind this week what do you, what, what's been taking up your time uh allergies first of all uh, do you do you have spring allergies at all uh, they're kind of i do have allergies they're mild and they typically happen a bit later in the year uh, sometimes they, so you, have spring, you, know, you have spring allergies to, to anybody who has it it's just such a pain in the ass and the medication that you take like it helps a little but then it kind of knocks you out um, you know, take non drowsy, yeah. but it's, um, it's, it's so weird. Some years, like for the last three or four years, nothing at all. And this year really, really bad. And so anyone who, and obviously uh, COVID is like a little, probably a little bigger issue, but it's just, it's kind of just one of those uh, irritating things. Um, but the, the thing that popped up yesterday in my inbox, I subscribed to masterclass last, um, December. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with this, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like you, you've seen the commercials and stuff. Yeah. Do you, you don't have it though. No, I don't have it now. Okay. I, I recommend it. It's pretty good. It's um, some guy in the States. His name's Dave, David something. Started this company, huge company. And uh, the they have these these experts in their field, um, you know, with poker, makeup, photography, design, writing, music, whatever. And the last, the latest one they added to their lineup yesterday is Wayne Gretzky, which is oh, interesting. so cool. Yeah. And so he's teaching like the... Uh, the athlete's mindset or how to apply an athlete's mindset to your life. So um, I watched the first like half dozen or so last night and so cool. And one of the, my favorite shots is he, they show uh, an archival shot of him um, skating around in a Sioux Greyhounds Jersey. So that was pretty, pretty proud. That's cool. But um, it's like, there's this one, there's this guy, I forget his name, Aaron, Aaron Franklin, I think his name is. He's a, he's a barbecue guy in, in the States, I think in Texas. And He's a young guy and he brings you through all these different lessons and how to like ratchet up your barbecue game. And I literally watched a video of this guy stoking, like setting up and stoking a fire for 45 minutes. And it was fascinating. 
Like when you, it, what you realize is when you find somebody who loves what they do and like they're one of the best in the world at it, it's kind of contagious. And uh, to watch this guy just, and he was looking at a fire and he guessed the temperature of it within like one degree. Cause then he went over and checked the thing just by the years. And so I, uh, wow. I thought that was really cool, but that's, that's, that gives you an indication of how, uh, how, uh, fascinating my life is right now. Wayne Gretzky, uh, and dudes making fires and allergies. That's my hit list right now. How about you? <laughs> you know what? Um, I can't say, I wish I could say I was doing something more interesting, but I think the highlight of, uh, I know we're going to talk about it a bit, but the highlight of the past week has been, um, trying to uh, watching Elon Musk on SNL and, and just, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty stoked about the the stuff that SpaceX is doing. Speaking of Elon Musk, and they just had um, the first successful sort of prototype launch, successful launch and landing of the of the uh, Starship rocket. That's going to be the one that will eventually take people to the moon and then to Mars. And it uh, it's just mind blowing engineering. It is amazing what this guy's doing. I, I don't understand the hatred uh, of, you know, so many people troll the guy and make fun of him. And like they were, they, they were, they were talking about cast members on Saturday night live. It was curious because they um, apparently there were some cast members who were super pissed off that he was going to be on the show and they didn't want to be in any skits with him. And so it was interesting that, you know, I, I never, I, I didn't sit there and make a list of who was in and who was out, but what you ended up seeing, and yeah, I'm sure you saw the show is that it mm -hmm. was a lot of the same people in skit after skit after skit and a lot of people that you don't normally see. And so I think that, uh, it's, it, I find, I just find that interesting. Like here you have a guy arguably, and you know, everyone you know, hates billionaires and capitalism. I think capitalism is fantastic. And, I'm pretty sure you share that mindset as well, but um, I don't know one single living person who has had the impact on the planet on a macro level that he has had. And so when people, and, and just to see him kind of poking fun at himself and, and, and being on the show, I thought was, uh, it was a big, big risk. There's no, the, the upside is very small for him to do that. And I thought it was really interesting that he did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. Well, well, we'll, we'll dive into that a bit more as we get going. Yeah. Um, but the rocket stuff is, is it's almost mind boggling. Like it's, it's uh, obviously I'm like, you know, <laughs> liberal arts major and journalism major. Uh, like the fact that they were able to land these things and just watching the videos and like the, they have these like high definition cameras and all these things. It's so, so, so cool. What a really cool time to be living. Oh, indeed. Indeed. All right. Uh, should we dive in? Sure. So, uh, the, I think the first thing we should talk about is, is something you actually had a lot to say about and had, I think, some very insightful comments about a few episodes back, which was, um, in, in the context we talked about it the first time, was Ellen DeGeneres, and I think her, the ratings of her show had fallen by a million people or something. Was that, mm. was that the, the, the stat we had at the time? Yeah, I think it was the first week of April. I think it was the second episode of the show. And I I had made a promise that I would stop talking about Ellen many months ago, but then like little things keep coming up. And I think the the last one is is kind of probably the last one. Anyway, I I queued up the 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 clip from that show. Do you want me to play it? Yeah, 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 go for it. So, we can do like a short version of it, which is about 20 seconds. Or there's a longer version, which is about 3 minutes of us going back and forth, but that that 3 minute is kind of the thing. What what do you want to hear? You get to pick. Uh, you know what? Go for the long one. Okay. So uh, this is us uh, a little over a month ago talking about Ellen. 
how do you advise a person like that? What do you do to fix that? I don't think you can fix it at this point, right? Like it's, it's, um, the, the damage has been done. What, you know, what's that Warren Buffett quote? It takes 20 years to build a great reputation and five minutes to destroy it. I might be getting the times a little wrong on that, but I think it's about, it's, a, it's pretty close. And, um, you know, what my, my advice to her would be take your money and go away. Like, you know, what, what, what else do you need to do? You've achieved a ton. She's won awards. She's made gazillions of dollars. Um, just, wrap up your show and go live your life. I don't know, go raise yeah. ponies or whatever, no. you know, live your, live your best life. Like I just, but it's the, the reputational piece. A lot, I think a lot of celebrities and, you know, I'm just guessing based on just, you know, what I, what I think I know about them, but I think that reputation piece is huge. That legacy piece. And I think that is, you can't put a price on that. So I think yeah. that that will always be a regret that she has. Um, maybe, you know, I don't know. And I can't see inside her heart. I don't know if she regrets the things that took place in the workplace allegedly, but um, what she will regret, I think, is the 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 mishandling of the reputational piece because that will be you know when you look her up on Wikipedia thirty years from now that'll be sort of the first paragraph of how she kind of went down or how her reputation was besmirched. I guess I, I would agree. I, I think you're right. Does, it's not it's not fixable certainly in the short term, and she's. I think she's in her sixties now, so yeah, are, she doesn't really have someone, a long term. Pardon me, you know, like she doesn't really have a long term. Like, yeah, that's it. You like, know, and, you're not, you don't have ten years necessarily to invest. Come in. out and have a uh, like a phoenix reborn. Yeah, like, she doesn't have the time for that. Yeah, and 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 to be fair, it wasn't like a fatal um, reputational wound where everything blew up and she's got nothing. She still has a show, and she's albeit with fewer viewers. Um, so you're, you're, you're probably on this, uh, a, a, decay, a slow decay of, uh, of that audience. I'm sure there's going to be a core that will always tune into her, but certainly the, the shine is, the shine is gone. It's not coming back. And, um, I would agree with you. They start looking for the exit and what's a graceful exit. Like the takeaway is treat people well, yeah. right? No matter what business you're in, like it doesn't it's easier to be nice than it is to be a dick. And so just treat people professionally. And this is going to bleed into some of the other stories that we're going to talk about here today, where people's kind of past transgressions pop up to, to kind of, you know, sully things a little bit. And, and uh, you know, again, it sounds kind of Mr. Rogers, but you know, take the high road in your communications in your actions. And then she doesn't have a situation like this. You know, there are there are many people out there who are um, maybe less famous, but who treat people nicely. And, you know, they might not have the same bank account she has, but they also won't have that reputational hit, too. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, if you're going to if you're if your motto is going to be the nice lady, then you better you better be real nice in every aspect of your life. Kind of 24 seven. All right. End quote. That's it. I, I just realized we could just play clips of other shows on here just to like fill time every week. <laughs> but aren't we smart though? We kind of, we figured it out a month it ago. Sounds, yeah. I think we, we kind of, we kind of hit that one on the head back, back, uh, back a month ago or whatever. Um, so what, what did, tell me about how you saw her announcement and, and how did she handle that, uh, announcement, which was effectively her show is, is what wrapping up in 2022. I think she said. Yeah. So I think just it, it's so frustrating to me. And again, I, I it's I feel like TMZ. We're talking about celebrities, and Alan keeps popping up on here. But it just it's indicative of 
a mindset that, that I know bothers both of us. And it's, and it's that ego piece we were just talking about. They can't let it go and they can't not spin it. And so the quote that came out is, um, there was an article, I'm looking at an article on NBC news and it says, uh, you know, for me to read in the press about a toxic work environment, when all I've ever heard from every guest that comes on the show is what a happy atmosphere this is and what a happy place it is. That's one of her quotes. And the other one was, this is the one that drove me bananas. The truth is I've always trusted my instincts and my instinct told me it's time. Really? It was your instincts that told you it was, that wasn't your, you know, <laughs> you lost a million viewers and everybody is just jumping on your back. And so um, I, I think Alan's full of shit. I, I, I just, could you please just do, do it gracefully? Just kind of just go away gracefully. But I, I guess she's going to just try to save that reputation to the very bitter end. You know, even that first quote makes, makes no sense, right? It's effectively saying, you know, every customer that came into our store thought it was beautiful. <laughs> but, um, I, but, but the, it, you know, the lunchroom may be shit, but um, like no one goes back there. Like how guests on her show are never going to see the work environment. She had 255 people who work for her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a guest coming on the show, what, saw a sliver of, you know, three people, five people. Like it just, it just that kind of it does bother me when i hear that kind of stuff because it's obviously a bunch of bs and i know she's got to say something positive to try and put the best possible spin on the context in which she's leaving but it um i think just speaks to like she made a bed (laughs) over the course of 19 years on the show by by she was the boss and, and by allowing the workplace to to develop into a certain in a certain way it um it finally came home to to haunt her Mm -hmm. and you gotta you just gotta she's paying the price now so there there isn't a there isn't a good way to to deal with that other than just to be totally straight up and own it and she didn't do that it's so refreshing when people and organizations do own up and have that the, the you know transparency timeliness truthfulness all of that you know the actual genuine apology and you just see so little of it especially at the highest levels and i think it's ego or fear or the fact that they just can't you know she has i think a lot of times they have in their mind this idea of how the future is supposed to unfold and how they see themselves and how the world sees them and how people will see them after they're gone and the fact that there's been a break from that and I, I think sometimes they can't reconcile the two they can't kind of course correct and adjust and so they just keep trying to force that other narrative and it just you know you read these quotes and to me they remind me a lot of politicians and i know we're going to jump into a little bit of that a little bit later on but just the the just having those blinders on and not just not accepting the situation and not actually being straight with people. And uh, this it's so I, I hope this is the, like, I, I personally, I'm going to say I'm never going to talk about Ellen again on here unless she, you know, there's some catastrophic thing, but I'd like this to be the last one, but it's um, it, it's interesting that, you know, when, and we talked a couple of weeks ago about the lunches that we used to have together and we would talk about stuff like this, just whatever's in the news or whatever's going on. And, you, you make these kind of predictions and, and, you know, you'd have friends and family like, Oh my God, how did you know? And like, we're like, how, how else could it play out? Right. Like it's yeah. when, when you're in the business, it's so, it seems so obvious what a properly handled one looks like and the steps that it causes and what an improperly handled one looks like and the steps that that causes. Like, like you said, she made a bed and then 
the apology was another little mini bed on top of that other bed, right? And I think yeah. that she could have handled the apology in in a, in a in a much better way, and it could have actually she could have used that as a rallying point and maybe rebounded. But um, just by trying to save face, I think it ended up having the the opposite effect. That slow decay of that was my favorite piece of that quote from you: the slow decay of her audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's going to continue that way. She'll end up with some core group of fans in 2022 that'll watch to the better end, but I think she'll just become increasingly irrelevant as time goes on now. Okay. So can we help start that irrelevance by not talking about her anymore? Agreed. Cool. Unless, unless she maybe murders someone or something. (laughs) Well, of course that's, that's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's for the crime podcast though. We'll, We'll save that for that one. Yeah. Well, it will serialize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, okay, so we are we are putting that to bed. So yes. I, I did. Uh, I I was actually you suggested this, but I, I thought it was actually something that I definitely want to talk about as well. Is Elon Musk? We talked about him a bit earlier in uh, in our chat leading into this, but um, you know, there aren't a lot of times when I can remember so much buzz around who's going to host SNL as mm-hmm. as when Musk uh, was teased doing it, and. Um, and I, I, I think in particular, t- two things. First off, he's a bit of a mysterious figure, you know. Um, not a lot of people know. Pe- people, are, I think, are increasingly understanding who he is, but um, he's a bit of a mysterious figure. And so I think that was drove a lot of interest in him. But I'll, I think you made the point earlier that he is a bit something of a lightning rod, and and as a result, you know, that controversy and his as we both know, controversy drives media attention that led to a lot of people talking about it. And, you know, and, and maybe this is a bit of a digression, but I think a lot of that controversy came because he was actually being a smart business person at the start of the Trump administration, because there, there was this divergence between the, the general, a lot of people in the general populace who were just so aghast that Trump being elected, um, and, you know, it all became, you know, the Trump derangement syndrome and, you know, and, and God, Lord knows, like, I'm happy he's gone. But um, there's a lot of people who just spent all their time trying to trying to, you know, highlight highlight the issues with the man and his presidency. But as a as a business person, Musk, you know, regardless of what his personal feelings are, he's a CEO. He's got two companies he's running and he's got to, you know, put best, put the, put those companies in the best position possible because there are a lot of government policies that can either help or harm those businesses. Like they're both SpaceX and Tesla. They're both in spaces where public policy can have a great impact on how well those, those businesses do. So, is it would it be would it be smart for a guy like that to start you know like ripping Trump? No, it would be it would be stupid. It would be, in fact, it would be like he has a fiduciary duty to his employees and his investors to to run those co- co- companies competently. So I think a lot of people saw him doing that and they perceived it as oh he's he's a a Trump friendly CEO and so there's a lot of I think some negativity built up around him because of that. Mm. Did you see the show on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, no, we watched, we watched the whole thing. What do you think of it? I was actually, I didn't like. I was of the mindset this is either going to be um, 
like if 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 Wayne Gretzky, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly who I was thinking of too. Is one is one end of the spectrum, <laughs> and you know, like so bad. Justin Justin Timberlake is the other. Yeah. Um, oh my god! I didn't know where he was going to land. I thought he might land sort of more towards the Gretzky end, but I was I thought he hit the ball out of the park. I thought it was great. Oh my god! What did you think? You just nailed the worst and best host. <laughs> <laughs> Very nicely done. I like as I can picture that little thermometer or that scale. Um, it was, you know, it was interesting. If if you, a lot of people are oh, I'm not gonna watch it. If you don't, if you don't like him, you didn't watch it. And and I was I was thinking it was going to be a lot clunkier and more awkward than it was. But you saw him because the guy's not a natural actor. No, but you saw him making fun of himself and wearing that ridiculous uh, Nintendo outfit and the little <laughs> the accents. They were they weren't they weren't that bad, you know. No. He, uh, and he was in a lot. He was in a lot of them. He was in a lot of skits. You know, you'll see sometimes that uh, the, the the host is in like two or three. He was in quite a few. And then one of the pre-recorded ones in terms of the ratings, it was the third most watched episode for the season. The only ones that beat it were the ones hosted by Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. And so it had uh, an average of 7.3 million viewers. That's not insignificant. No, and I didn't, you know, what I didn't realize is that they actually switched SNL on the West Coast, so that it doesn't actually—it's yeah. not tape delayed anymore. It shows it shows in prime time on the West Coast now, and so that impacts uh, some of their decisions about what they can have on the show because it's not uh, there. There could be younger people watching it, right? And so, yeah. um, what I've heard is—and uh, you listen to the All In podcast, yeah, love those, love those guys. But they were they were chatting because Jason was, was there as Elon's wingman sort of for the week. I don't know if you knew that, but he was kind of helping him out and he wrote a couple jokes and stuff, but um, they were saying that the internal um, processes, like they said that they had suggested a couple of skits that, uh, that would have been hilarious and that they were actually kiboshed by like the lawyers and stuff. They're like, Oh, we can't, we can't do that. And so the point that they were making is it's a troubling thing. Like if you think of back in the seventies and eighties and like, you know, Belushi and Eddie Murphy and like they were really pushing the boundaries and and that's their role, you know, satire mm-hmm. and just, you know, holding that mirror up to society. And so when you have a uh, a host who is pitching skits that the show is is shutting down or vetoing, that I don't think is a good omen for the future of that show. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Um, and, you know, th- that show kind of has to reinvent itself in some respects uh, every few years because of the of the generational shift that's constantly ongoing but but from a reputational standpoint what what did you think the outcome was for musk like mm. it was a bit of risk to uh trying to do this but yeah. uh f- for him uh what do you think it does for him as from a reputational standpoint i was wondering like why why would he do this it's um it's not certainly the and then and it kind of makes sense like it's the it's the risky thing to do, but here you have a guy who's built his entire career on on calculated risks. None of the businesses that he's in are safe. None of the businesses that he's in were, um, you know, there were not really clear uh, leaders in those markets. And some of the in some of those cases, he was inventing his own his own marketplace. And so, um, I'm sure there's a there's a reason behind it. Maybe he's just trying to have some fun. Maybe he's bored. But uh, it was I think the potential downside was much bigger than the upside. And at the end of the day, having watched the show from start to finish, um, it it was not one of the most memorable ones in history. But it certainly uh, he he fared better than I thought he would. And overall, I think reputationally, it uh, it turned out to be a win for him. 
Um, I'm not sure it was like, you know, if I was in that position, I probably wouldn't have done it just because of that calculation of upside downside. But I thought, I thought he'd pull it off. Yeah, I would agree too. Um, and, and you're, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, um, you know, when, when you talked about him and his positioning, his businesses, uh, or the way he approaches risk. Like, I think I'm going to get this wrong, but I, if, as I recall reading somewhere that after he, uh, after PayPal was sold, he basically took half his money and used it to start SpaceX and put the other half into Tesla. And, and he kind of, you know, put big bet, two big bets down and they're probably well-measured bets, but he put two big bets down because he saw the business opportunities in these spaces. And, and, you know, so far so good. Um, they're, <laughs> they're pretty successful for him. So t- to date, um, but from a reputational standpoint, there is, there was a lot of downside. Like you said, he's not a natural actor. And, um, and I think with those kinds of shows, you're kind of at the mercy of two of the, of the writing, right? Like if the writing is good, um, it can carry a lot, but if the writing is poor and you're not a natural actor, that could be, that could be a really rocky time. But all in all, I think what it did was it, um, I think it, it introduced him to a lot of the people who didn't, um, know him before and introduced him in a new way. And I think it humanized him in ways that d- he wasn't able to do before. He didn't have a sort of a platform that would allow him to do that. And if there was some sort of overhang, as I mentioned earlier about this kind of, you know, Trumpist connection, mm-hmm. I think it did, did a lot to, you know, make people see a different side and, and, um, and I think the mask thing was also a big thing. Like people were, yeah. were stuck, were stuck on that. Interestingly, I, did you? I don't know if you followed this, but in in the lead up to it, there was a lot of critics who were talking about him, and um, in particular, uh, that guy, Professor Scott Galloway from the yeah. Stern School of Business. Like he yeah. was, he was like live tweeting leading up to it, and I think he was, you know, like sometimes you want to ride ride a wave of media to to your own benefit. He was obviously clearly trying to do that, and on the base on the basis that this was going to turn out as to be a a net negative for for Musk, or worse yet, or better yet, for for his perspective, a disaster. It totally didn't turn out that way, and it just um, I think it, there's a couple lessons in there, right? If you're if you're looking to 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 build your profile on the decline of someone else's, you're taking a lot of risk in doing that and taking that approach. And, um, in, in Musk's case, I think it was, it was a risk, but he's, he's accustomed to taking risks and, and obviously he's, he's a funny enough guy and he's like a, when you, seems like when you peel back the awkwardness of him and, you know, more formal settings, he's, he kind of tapped into that. And I think that showed in some of the, some of the skits he did do. When you talk about Scott Galloway live tweeting it, was it as if he was waiting for a train wreck to happen? Or to- was oh, totally, like, totally. And, really? and I think he was he was trying to pile on some of the uh, areas of like, um, of criticism uh, to sort of you know be able to capitalize if it did if it did end in disaster. I don't know if you remember. Um, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of a fan of his. I've read a couple of his books. I am too. Good. I listen to I listen to him all the time. Yeah, no, he's good, but it's. There's 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 something about him like a three percent of him just 
uh, drives me nuts. And, uh, and part of it was he gets, and it's tough. Like it's very few people have the, the courage to make predictions. Right. And that's one of the things we kind of try to do on, on this, this little, uh, dog and pony show we have here. But one of the things that he does is he will say this company, like he predicted famously the, the downfall of WeWork and actually more than predicted. I think he actually caused it <laughs> in, in a way. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, ridiculous business, ridiculous business model, the bubble and everything else. But he famously predicted the downfall of Tesla as well mm-hmm. and said that, you know, within a year it's going to be, you know, some ridiculously low amount. And obviously it's gone a huge tear since then. I think it's up like what thousands of percent since then. Yeah. Um, so, it, and, and, but it's, you know, it's, it is interesting that he would try to like that. That's kind of a dickish thing to try to live tweet someone's, uh, the, what you think is going to be a train wreck of their hosting show. Like, just like, let the guy live his life. Oh, I agree. I, I totally agree. Uh, you know, and I think it, it, punditry is, um, and that's what kind of what Galloway does, right? Part of it is big picture economic trends and finance trends. And he's an entrepreneur himself. Um, Obviously, he has he's had success himself too. So and that's why I find him interesting. I, I like I love hearing the, his stories about um, uh, his his successes and the fact that he's open to, and talking about failures too is I think yeah you know a strength of his. But um, um, I think uh, you know when, when you're when you try and make a living, partly at least at being a pundit, that's some of the risk you take. Mm-hmm. He does get a lot of his predictions right, and mm-hmm. overall, I, I think he's uh, he's a, he's a you know pretty astute dude. Um, but there's certain like there's one thing that drives it. This is just a personal tick or habit. But one of the things, do you listen to his podcast at all? Yeah, I listen to the one he does himself, and then occasionally I listen to the other one he does with that uh, journalist. Yeah, I can't listen to that one. But uh, the one that he does on his own, he uh, I think it's like Prof G show or something. I don't know, but he has people on and interviews them. And, uh, but he has this habit. Do you know, well, is there anything about it, the show that kind of drives you nuts before I mention it? And yeah, there probably were a few things <laughs> I can't think of now at the beginning, but I've kind of got, got used uh, to them. But so as I, I don't know how you listen to things, but I use AirPods, right? So they're right in your ears. It's like super intimate and you like this, you feel like you're in the room and he'll be interviewing somebody and they're telling a story and it's really interesting. He's like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh-huh. he does that mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. 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 and the try. I got to a point where I'm, I just I delete, <laughs> unsubscribe, don't like. <laughs> it's just a little thing, but it it brings me back to journalism school. They taught us this, like you know. And there was I don't know if you saw that meme this week of the reporter just nodding, nodding, nodding her head. Did you see that thing on Twitter? No, it was like a reaction shot of a journalist just kind of nodding and people are making fun of it. And the reason they do that is they're not supposed to be talking like yeah. they're they're you're they're getting a clip from you and they're not supposed because when you're in a conversation with someone, you're like, oh, really? Oh, oh, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can't do that as a journalist because then it ends up on the tape. And so um, not to get nitpicky, but the fact that he does it, I find it irritating. And then it's so easy to delete in in post because you have two tracks you have like, you know, for you and me. We, it probably sounds to people like we're in the same room, but we're um, like a couple blocks away from each other. And so we send each other the original audio file. We put them together and then so, and we'll go through and edit it. And so if, if we, and I'll do that from time to time, oh really? Or, and you leave some of them in, but if it's too much, you can go and just delete it. Or you can just take the sound and, and crank it down. So I don't know why they don't do that. Mm. I actually tweeted to him a couple of times because I like his show, but I just, I can't listen to that. 
Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I, I do notice that quite a lot when he's talking to guests. Now you're going to notice it like way more because <laughs> I've mentioned it. So I hope I didn't wreck his show for you. Well, I, I, now you got me self-conscious about it because I think I'm doing that too. I'll stop doing that. We should try to get him on as a guest. I don't think he does a lot of that. <laughs> I don't think so either. I'll send him a note. Um, okay, so um, you had uh, another topic you wanted to bring up. Okay, so it seems like we keep hitting on the same things every week, but you know, here we are in, in, you know, the lockdown, they just announced yeah. So we're recording this on, um, what day is it? Today's Friday, it's Friday, May 14th. And uh, I'll actually try to get this thing out today. So it's like, you know, fresh and current, but the, they just announced yesterday that here in Ontario, they're going to be extending the lockdown that we're in. I think it was supposed to be over like next week and they're extending it until June 2nd. And one of the things that's been, you know, I've, you know, I've got Twitter kind of open on, you know, I've got three monitors here and Twitter's usually just open on one. So you can see the trending topics and what's going on. And one of them this week has been like, where's Doug, where's Doug Ford? And he uh, has been sort of, Missing in action. He was quarantining a bit because they said that he had become in contact with someone who uh, tested positive, but then he just hasn't been around. And so you've seen has kind of ministers stepping up and doing a lot more of the the stuff. And so there's an article the other day from CTV. I think it was a news piece that uh, protect the king. Why Ontario Premier Doug Ford has taken a back seat. And so the implication of this article is that it, this has been a calculated move by his inner circle. And I know that you're much more in tune with the, the political side. Like I've made pretty famously, I don't I don't like politicians. I don't like working with them. Um, but you can't help but be impacted by their decisions in a situation like this. And so it seems that this is a calculated move for him to kind of step back and let some of the his ministers and other people that kind of work for him um, take the heat or take the fall for some of the decisions that are being made and let them kind of wear it. And so that um, was that piece came out a couple days ago. And I, I'd be more interested in your take on that. And do you think it's smart? Do you think it's working? And how do you think we will people will look at this once it comes uh, election time? So it's a good question. So I'll just say off the top, I have zero inside information. So this is just my my two cents. I think, you know, in politics, just as there is in, in public relations, you want to you want to make sure that your your CEO doesn't get too overexposed. I think you want to, you know, judiciously use them at the, at the right moments uh, to maximize their impact and effect. And and I think because of the the, the dual combination of, you know, we we had this third wave. It spiked. It's been the worst ever. We, you know, maxed out every every last ICU bed in the province. I think exceeded the the number that normally exists. They had to create some new ones. And and the premier was sort of just front and center of all that. And I think um, the idea is that we need to sort of uh, slip him into the background a little bit. Um, give people a little, see, see some other faces, see some other spokespeople talking about the things that are happening, the government's doing and talking about, you know, the public health measures. Like he's been front and center for the whole pandemic. Um, when you think about the, the reaction or the responses the government's been, been providing, he's been front and center for, for, for a lot of it. So I think this is a good throttling down. I think it, it's a, it's an opportunity for some other, other of the cabinet members to, to step forward and, and speak on behalf of the government. And I think, you know, if I was, 
if I was sort of doing the thinking for them. So we finally got the, the vaccine supply uh, increasing. Um, it, it, you know, I think that that really started about maybe three weeks ago. And because before then there was real shortages and that was, that was, I think, compounding the problem. But you throttle him back. You have some other spokespeople talking at the same time as the vaccine flow is increasing. More and more people are get vaccinated. I think we're up to, in Toronto anyway, I know we're up to like 50% of adults are vaccinated. And, and you know, have a, probably a pattern of shifting from crisis management to economic recovery and the, and the open reopening of the economy on a very gradual basis. And you start thinking about, okay, my communication strategy is going to include more of that going forward. Once we um, are really out of the woods from this third wave and uh, you're probably going to see him reemerge um, as a result, taking on the lead and some of those kinds of announcements. And so you're going to see him in a, a bit, bit of a different light. And uh, the other thing I'd say is that I think this is all too uh, also part of the fact that, Really, we're a year away from an election. I think the election's next June. It's a fixed date. I can't remember the date exactly off the top of my head. I think it's maybe June 2nd. And in the last year of a mandate before an election, it kind of becomes an unofficial campaign period. And so I think there's a lot of um, sort of calculation as it relates to that as well. This And this is why I don't like working with politicians. Um, this... <laughs> <laughs> to me, I, I, I'll, I, you know, talk about predictions. I would say there's very, very little chance that he is reelected and he might even just bail out on the process. Look, you know, this is just a, a speculative guess from me. There are so many people who are uh, beyond angry right now. And to me, whether he's front and center or whether he's, uh, you know, out, out in the back and letting the ministers take the heat, he is ending up wearing this because because he's been front and center the whole time doing the press conferences, you know, crying in his yard, delivering stuff with his truck, you know, delivering masks. He has made himself front and center. And now his absence is it looks like you know, there's no one driving the bus. And so um, this, you know, I, I can't find many leaders who who have who have gone through this without without blemish because. Look, it's an unprecedented situation, you know, to, to use that word that's been used way too much. But and and it, this isn't a one day, two day, week long crisis. We've been in this like 14, 15 months now. And so very difficult for someone dealing with it every day to be knocking it out of the park and not making any mistakes. But the you know, Ontario is the only jurisdiction in the world right now where golf is illegal. And that is bananas like that you know medically technically that's probably one of the safest activities to be doing you're outside you're spaced out the virus dies in sunlight there's no reason and you know you have these and i follow you know i've done some work with um the pga association in, in canada and i follow a lot of these guys and 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 women and just seeing the the pain that their industry is going through right now, seeing the businesses that have been closed down, the restaurants that are gone, hearing stories, just anecdotal stories about people like, oh, someone, you know, from downtown Toronto, someone took a header off the roof and people like just the the, the drug overdoses and the, the, the despair. It's just there are so many angry people about this and the way that it's been handled. And I really feel like... Um, the appearance to me is that, you know, the companies with the best lobbyists have been allowed to flourish and the mom and pop businesses have been left to fend for themselves and die. And no one to me is telling those stories. 
and that speaks to a little bit, I think, to the the erosion of journalism. There's there's too few journalists trying to do too much work, and the the big headline getting stories of the day are obviously you know, the top level numbers and the you know what's going on with COVID. But to me, there is just this massive ocean of pain underneath, and I think that is going to you know, talk about making your bed. I think that's going to be something that a year from now, uh, like I'm seeing tweets today, people like, I forget who it was. Uh, was it like maybe Jerry D or someone, you know, the comedian mm-hmm. he said, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't wait. I can't wait to vote next year. And, you know, no other comment than that. And just, you know, tons of people liking it. I think there's so much pent up frustration and anger and whether it's deserved or not, you know, he is the guy uh, with his with his mug at the top of the the pyramid. And I think it's going to be an ugly election for Mr. Ford. You know what? It's interesting. I, I'm going to give you the contrarian view and who knows what will happen. Please but, do. Uh, please. So fast forward to September. So you got it by September. Probably, I'm going to say 70%, maybe between 60 and 70% of adults and probably most kids will be vaccinated. And schools will reopen like normal. People are pretty much, you know, people people are starting to go back out for dinner in restaurants, indoors. Um, life is, is, you know, 80% back to normal. And... And by the time you get through then to the spring, um, I think people will look back at like, whoa, that was, that was a, you know, a life altering in many respects uh, experience we all went through, but it's, it's behind us now. And I'm feeling better about things because the economy is doing well. My kids are back in school and um, I'm, I'm doing the stuff that I used to like doing um, and I don't have to do all that mask wearing and and other stuff and i think i think the combination of that plus the fact that like the opponents that that ford is going to be up against one of them is still brand new the liberal leader steven Doduka, and hasn't really well defined himself and the other is you know andrew horath has had many kicks at the can and she hasn't been successful yet i actually put, would put my money on the tories to to win again um in that circumstance but that really just depends on 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 that narrative I, I described actually taking place. And you know what? The other thing I'd say is that there, there was no, there's no playbook for how governments dealt with this. And there's lots of blame to go around and, and certainly every government's made mistakes. Um, but it's funny you mentioned the thing about big businesses versus small businesses. Cause there was a journalist who raised that with me and asked me that question not too long ago, like about a month ago. And, um, it is true that it's kind of, it's kind of, it doesn't make sense that, that, um, small businesses had to shut everything down where you've got larger businesses like Walmart and, um, Loblaws and those big, big, big companies who are allowed to stay open because arguably, you know, as, as, as long as those smaller businesses were conducting themselves in a, you know, safe way, they, they could stay open just the same. So, but, but, um, so there were, missteps, I think there were some missteps, but also some things that people forget. Like I'll, I'll just quickly touch on the fact that, so at the start of the pandemic, the, one of the changes the government made was to allow bars and restaurants to do takeout and delivery of alcohol. And this has been, they call it off sales in other provinces where you could like buy sealed containers of wine or beer or whatever from, from a restaurant or bar and take it home. And 
um, that was something that, that the restaurant industry asked for for decades. And I think BC, you could do it. But overnight, the, they made that change in Ontario during the pandemic. Um, and what people don't realize it, but before that change, there were about, when you added up all the LCBO stores and you add up all the beer stores and, you know, those independent wine stores, the couple of big wineries own, um, there were about 1,500 points of retail for alcohol in the province. And then the province made that change to allow bars and restaurants, mostly small businesses, uh, to, um, to do takeout, takeout delivery of alcohol. And the number of points of sale went from 1,500 to 20,000 overnight. And um, that's something that people never thought would happen in Ontario, but it's been, you know, like a huge lifeline for those small businesses. So, you know, when you look, I think when, when you, you fast forward and you look at what this, the, the world's going to be like, and God, we, as you know, we, if anything, the last four or five years have taught us, you never know what to expect. And, Chances are the predictions would be wrong, but if things do develop the way we think, and the economy does go come back as as people come back to the, to regular life, I think there's probably a pretty good chance they they get reelected, and um, and but we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, this is this is why we have it's like in hockey. It's 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 why you have the games, right? <laughs> it's why you have the elections. I'm Doug Ford, and I approve this message. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I don't know, and then you know what? I I, I defer to you on the on the political well, stuff. You I, see it, I know as much no, as you like see it, the lamppost. You see it like better I, than you know what I mean, though. You <laughs> see it. You're you you've you've been in that world. You've worked in that world. You see it better than me. But I just I I think there's so much anger, and I think it's true. There is okay, there's no so, question. So okay, they allow restaurants to to sell alcohol. To me, that's like. Yeah, and you know the opening scene of uh, Saving Private Ryan. Some dude gets his leg blown off, and you hand him a band aid. That's that's what that looks like to me, you know. Because these restaurants, like so many of them, are gone for good. Yeah, and the people owning them and running them, like you go there, they have no staff. It's the owners. They're bagging up stuff, and you're picking it up at the back door. And you know, I've been trying to support a lot of my favorite restaurants so that they just end up being around because I don't like cooking that much. Yeah, us too. But um, it's it's. The fact that they, and then, you know, they, they spent all this money. They were told that they could have people outside. They spent all this money on these patios and these big elaborate things. And then they're told that it's, that's illegal again. So they've just pissed away tens of thousands of dollars per location. I, I think that they're like, I would vote for an alpaca if it was running for whatever part for the friggin' weed party or whoever it is. Like there's, I think, I think people are underestimating the anger that is out there, the, the bitterness and resentment. And again, whether it's deserved or not. When you're the person at the at the head of the 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 organization or the head of the party, that's who people are going to blame. It's true. And yeah. you know, I I don't know. Maybe people have short memories. Maybe it's a whole different thing. But uh, you know, I think there's a lot of economic strife coming down the road. If you and not to bring up too much of the American stuff, but when you see what's going on with uh, inflation right now and a lot of the stuff from the Biden administration, everyone was talking about Biden, like, Oh my God, he's the second coming. And there are a lot of things that I think point to some real economic disaster in the next couple of years. Well, this is, you know, this is a big question, right? Is, is all this, um, dumping all this money into the economy, like the government's basically printing tons of money and dumping it into the economy. Is that going to lead to inflation? And um, it already has in, in, it, in a way it already has like, look at what's going on with the, the price of lumber. Look at what's going on with the price of houses. Look at there's all these different 
um, assets and commodities that have increased in price already in anticipation. And you're seeing some of the, the shares of these massive companies decreasing because the the future uh, inflation impact on their earnings is being kind of built into the process right now. And so I think people are already, it's, it's kind of like what's going on with, you see those Yahoo's filling up, um, you know, bags full of gasoline in the States and like big tubs. Have you seen any of that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like that. Like they're talking about Florida. Like they don't even get their their gas from a pipeline. They get it from from ships. But meanwhile, people, it's kind of like the hoarding toilet paper. People are panicking and creating a crisis. And so there are a lot of different elements. Like I don't know if you've been following what's going on in the real estate market, but it is bad shit crazy right mm-hmm. now. Um, I've been looking to uh, to try to get a cottage for the last couple of years, just looking at prices. And they are double what they were a couple of years ago. And they... I don't know if I mentioned the the one to you. There was one I saw posted, um, you know, a couple hours from from Toronto, and the there was a I, mean, I joined some Facebook group of of uh, cottage like buyers and sellers, mm-hmm. and one of the guys in the group said that and there's this nice place. It was posted for like I don't know five ninety nine or something like that, and he said that um, they he he went and talked to the agent, and they said that they had showings of this cottage every half hour from eight a.m. to eight p.m. all weekend long. And that the, the, uh, like basically someone would have to pay $200,000 over to, to wow. get it. And that's happening at, at place after place after place. So that, you know, inflation is already here in, in some respect, it's just not official across the board. You know, interest rates haven't been cranked up, but that, you know, all of this is all kind of swirled up together. And, um, and, and, you know, we started this whole thing with just the protect the King, which I even resent that term. But, um, you know, but I get it, you know, chess playing and everything else. But um, I I think it's kind of like a little a too little too late. And to have him come out at the end like, ta-da, look, we're out, everybody. And he's the big hero, I think, is even more of a dickish move. But that's just my two cents. Well, you know, and this is this is there are two types of elections. There there are choice elections and referendum elections. And, um, you know, the 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 opponents of Doug Ford will try and make the next election a referendum election. And, and, you know, Ford will want to make it a choice election. And in many respects, you know, what, what the outcome, whatever outcome is going to come is going to depend on who's successful and which side is successful in achieving each one, like one of those two, um, one of those two things in people's minds as they go to the polls. So we'll see. But I, I, it all, it all hinges on my view is in the economy, the economy doesn't turn around or if there's, you know, inflation to, to the extent that they have to raise interest rates, which then starts toppling the house of cards of, <laughs> you know, the debt people have uh, taken to, to pay $200,000 over asking to, to buy houses and cottages, then that's going to be a real problem. For sure. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, and, you know, I just, I'd like to say that's the last time we talk about Doug Ford as well, but I think he might pop up from time to time. So did anything else you wanted to, I see we're almost up on an hour. Um, not that there's like a, a deadline for this, but anything else you wanted to, to include before we wrap it up for this week? Uh, no, I think it's all the main stuff. I don't know about you, but I am starting to look forward to hockey playoffs. Do you have any predictions for hockey playoffs? I think the Leafs are going to hoist this year. So I think so also. And you know why? Because I think there is <laughs> there is something perverse about the fact that, you know how for what's it now yeah. 53 years now, whatever the 50, you're going to talk about, is it the parade? Is that what we're talking? Exactly. About? Yeah. Oh, the, the year they actually win the cup, they, they can't, have they a can't parade. have a parade. Yeah. 
they they're they're looking great they're looking really oh also i'm sorry about the hockey pool i didn't win we mentioned it to people <laughs> last week yeah it's okay it was it, it was tight i was, it was, prepared, right I was mentally prepared for that outcome already you were you were sadly you're like no it's not gonna happen i'm like you know like you need maybe like read some tony robbins books or whatever but it was <laughs> it was pretty close but uh, you have a you have a good core you just need to get over the over that hump yeah yeah we'll see I have a couple of players I might want to. I have Crosby and Ovechkin. I might want to unload one of those to see if we can <laughs> they, put a put a package together. Aren't they retiring soon? Pfft, Ovechkin's crushing it still. This is true. So yeah, I think I think uh, the Leafs, but typical Leafs. That's what Leafs fans say every single year. But I, uh, the the new goalie that they picked up, Jack Campbell, because their main goalie got hurt. He has been on fire, and the team is just offensively amazing. Everybody's healthy. Um, you know, anything can happen, but I think that this is going to be the year and the fact that people can't have a parade, they're going to lose their minds. Well, I think just, I'll add one thing to your, your, uh, assets you've, you ticked off with the team, but they also have, um, I think for the first time, the combination of those things you mentioned, plus also like some, um, some experienced players who are not going to get pushed around. And like, who do you think some of those players are? Uh, so I think uh, like Thornton and uh, Simmons, I think they're obviously two oh, yeah. of the key ones they're there. Tougher for sure. And I think, I think Spezza too, like he's got tons of experience. Um, I don't think he ever won a cup, but um, he's got tons of playoff experience, tons of other experience. I think he's like, like that kind of, that kind of like leadership around the team is something that they didn't have. And it's certainly not in this quantity before. Like sometimes they've had one guy or, but th- I think this is a whole different, uh, a whole different team than the, the a type of which they haven't had that I can remember. And it should be fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to, I, one of the other things I, I had written about, I don't know if you want to talk much about it, but it was the Bill Gates divorce situation. Oh I think I don't yeah. Really like even talking about people's divorces, it's such a, such a personal thing and I feel, feels kind of gossipy, but there's um, just little, you can see that each side is kind of just putting little pieces out into the media, just trying to spin the kind of like what Ellen did, just kind of spin their story a little bit or put their little angle on it, which is, it's so funny that you, you don't really, you don't get to escape that, I guess, at any, at any level. And this is going to be one of the biggest divorces in history. Like they're talking about the assets that need to be split up is mind boggling. But um, yeah, I, I kind of hesitate to get into it, but I just, I find it interesting that you see these little, because every one of these headlines is a phone call or an email from someone that, you know, this, this, you know, trusted source or unconfirmed source. And each side is kind of, you can see them kind of putting the chess pieces in place. So it's just oh, kind of, it's completely, it's a sad situation, completely. but it's interesting to watch. No, you just, it totally, it was raised to me by someone this week and I, I just made it, made that point. It's, 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 it's interesting that all these, you know, kind of in some cases, shocking allegations we ne- never, never came to light before they decided they were going to, um, they, they were going to separate our divorce. Uh, so you always take, well, uh, like you and I both know, you know, in the media a lot. Uh, so you made the point earlier about how, you know, sometimes having, having really good lobbyists makes a difference. Um, I suppose it can, um, without diving too deep into that, I think that by the same token, having really good public relations, people can make a difference with how stories are framed. And, um, I think, you know, that's why whenever you see something in the news, it's always good to just be circumspect about, about, um, but what's in, what's in those things because there's a lot, a lot more under the surface sometimes. 
one thing I wanted to mention too before we go is uh, just a quick, just to wrap things up on Peloton. So we talked about last week the recall of these treadmills, the amount of money that it was going to cost them, I think $165 million. And you said, um, we should have queued up this tape actually, you said that that was going to be end up being a drop in the bucket and that if the stock went up just a couple dollars from 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 then, that would erase it. And so I checked it just before I logged on to chat with you today. And so on May 4th, which is the day before Star Wars Day, but it was the <laughs> day before the announcement of the recall, their share price was $96.70. And then it ended up going down quite sharply to, I think, like the low 80s. And today, before we got on the air together, it was 97.60. So it was actually a dollar higher than it had been. And the company's market cap is $29 billion. So that was literally like a flea on the back of an elephant for them. Uh, it seemed like such a huge story last week. Uh, I think in part the the fact that they handled it properly, like we like we chatted about, it wasn't perfect, but they did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. And now it's not even people aren't talking about it at all, and they've made that money back and then some. It's it's distant memory, and you know, what, and because because you look at you look at market capitalization in terms of value. So if you went back to the market to to do another round of capital raising, you know, what could you get for um, any any given percentage of the company? Um, that you might you might be selling to do that, and so yeah, like they by by managing the crisis well, they put themselves in a position where you know they pretty much got any value they lost they they've they've gotten back um, in real time, and if they have to go back to the market, the crisis isn't going to harm their ability to raise funds. So, but in ten days, they like ten days later, it's like it never happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. From a reputation and a financial standpoint. All right, John, have a great weekend. You too, Warren. And uh, everybody, we'll see you next week. Thanks for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, or recommend the show. See you next time.